So the title of the message today is God is the owner, we are the managers. God is the owner, we are the managers. So you know that in the beginning, the Bible says that God spoke everything into existence and he said, let there be, and then he said it was good. That was the beginning. God is so powerful and so mighty that in six days he spoke things into existence and they came into being. But as he created the first humans, he told them, I'm giving you management, take dominion of this planet. I'm giving you management of it. And he gave specific instructions for that. And really nothing has changed except for they blew it. But everything changed after that, right? So we live in a fallen world, a fallen condition, but that's why Jesus came. And he came to redeem us. He came to set us free. And really, he came to restore that authority, that dominion that was lost. And he says, I'm putting it back in your hands. I've died for you. I paid the price for you. You can be born again now of the Holy Spirit. And now you can once again manage life. And so we're going to talk about that today. You know, when David was preparing for the temple, he didn't actually build it, but he got all the resources together. God told him, gather it all together, gather all the resources together, but you're not going to be the one that's going to build it. Your son Solomon is going to build it. But as they were preparing, he gives a, a prayer, and I want you to see what we're talking about today in this prayer. David prays the Lord, First Chronicles 29, 10. David prays the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly. O Lord, he says, O Lord, the God of our ancestor Israel, may you be praised forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. Everything in the heavens and on earth is yours, O Lord, and this is your kingdom. We adore you as the one who is over all things. Wealth and honor come from you alone, for you rule over everything. Power and might are in your hand, and at your discretion people are made great and given strength. Verse 13 says, O oh, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. For But who am I and who are my people that we could give anything to you? Everything we have has come from you. And we give you only what you gave, first gave us. So everything that we have, everything that we enjoy here on planet Earth has been given by God. Isn't that true? Can somebody say amen? It all belongs to him. He spoke it into existence. He is the owner. And so God is the owner of all things, and we are the managers of what he is the owner of. Now, Jesus gave a similar story in this. If you take a look at Matthew Chapter 25, verse 14. It'll come up on the screen as well. There it is. Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. Jesus said this, Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted 
his money to them while he was gone. You know, Jesus came, he died, he rose again, he ascended on high, he left. And he's saying, you have a job to do. He went on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. Verse 15 says, he gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in it proportion to their abilities. Then he, get, then he left on his trip. So God has given each one of us, Father God, Creator God, has given each of us abilities, different abilities and different measures of abilities. And then he's also given us, equipped us to function in those abilities with his gifts, with his power, with his presence, with the love of God and every good thing that he gives us. Verse 16 says, a servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money, his resources. By the way, all of us are going to give an account before God, aren't we? Believer and unbeliever. It's a little bit different for the believer. We go to the what's called the Bema seat of Christ, the judgment seat of Christ, where we will be judged according to the good things that we've done based on our salvation. It's not a salvation issue. Jesus paid the price. We received him as Savior and Lord, but he's going to put us through a fire, so to speak, and that anything that was not done for Christ will burn up, and anything that was done for him, giving glory to him, will be those gems, those, those, those sweet gems before him as praise and worship to him. The judgment for the unbeliever is one also judged by works. When he opens up the books, if you're not found written in the book, in the book of life, then other books are opened up. You don't want to be in those books. Because in those books, you'll be judged according to your works and not according to grace and receiving Christ and his work. You'll be judged according to your own works. And guess what? We come up short every time. And that's where the person who rejects Christ and rejects the cross and the shed blood of Jesus Christ, they're judged according to their works, which fails. And in that rejection, they end up going to hell. And that's a real place. That's a real place. And so he's going to have us give an account for our life. Verse 20 says, A servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest. I have earned five more. The master was, was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Jaylena, uh, she started speaking my message before we even got here. Did you hear her say, you're the one that needs to take, she has no idea what I'm preaching on today. She said, you're the one that needs to take responsibility. Did you hear that word responsibility? I'm standing back going, oh my goodness, you led of the Holy Spirit. Look at that. So don't you want to hear these words from Jesus? Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. Now I'll give you more, many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. 
You know, that's true in this life and in the life to come. When you're faithful, Jesus said, when you're faithful in the little things, he'll give you more, more responsibility. And then how we handle things in this life also apparently has something to do with the responsibility given to us in the next life as well. This life is so short, and yet what we do here in this life has such impact on eternity. And so he says, let's celebrate together. Verse 22 says, the servant who had received two bags of silver came forward and said, master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest. I have earned two more. The master said, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. Now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with one bag came and said, master, I knew you were a harsh man. He was kind of dusting off the, the mud and the dirt off of his bag of silver. Harvesting crops you did not plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the 10 bags of silver to those who... Use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness, and they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Pretty scary. Pretty enough to scare you right into accepting Jesus and getting your life straight. And that's how Jesus talks to us. He, he, he's so far above us. And when you hear his words, you go, man, I better get right. I better get right with the Lord. And so God is the owner. We are the managers. I got about five things I want to go over with that. God is the owner. We are the managers. Number one, you are the manager of your thought life. You are the manager of your thought life. What you choose to think is your choice. And the Bible actually says what you choose to think about is what you will become. Proverbs 23, 7, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. What you think, how you manage your thoughts, is what you will become. That means when thoughts are coming in, you're deciding whether it's from God or not. If it's from God, you keep that thought, you dwell on that thought, it lines up with the word of God, you meditate on those good things, and then those good thoughts grow. If it's a thought from the devil, from the enemy, when it comes in, you treat it as a hostile enemy, and you tell it to get out immediately. It is a threat to your life, it is a threat to your family, don't harbor it one second, kick it out in the name of Jesus, amen? Amen. And you do that over and over and over again, it'll become second nature to you. It comes in, you say out. Comes in, you say out. You'll be saying out all day and people will be thinking that you're talking to them and you're just saying, no, I'm sorry. That was just one of my thoughts I was telling to, to get out. Get out in Jesus' name and don't ever come back. Now, before you accepted Jesus, all you could think was bad things because you weren't born again. That's why when we're, you know, you're trying to help somebody get their life straight, don't try to change them. Bring them to the cross. Say you need to give your life to Jesus, get saved, and get born again of the Holy Spirit. 
And then everything will begin to change in your life from the inside out. But believer, when you've accepted and you surrender to the owner and you've been born again of the Holy Spirit, he's put you back in charge of your thought life to manage your thoughts. And he says, I'll help you, but you've got to, you again, here you go. You've got the choice again. The choice have, has been recovered in your life again, where you have the ability now to choose. And so the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy your life. So you have to kick out the bad thoughts and don't let them in. Thoughts of lust, greed, sexual immorality, adultery, that's sex outside of marriage, fornication, and also sex outside of marriage. But with adultery, it's uh, sex with some, another uh, person and who is either married or you're married and you're having adultery with them. Jesus even went further than that. He said, if you look and you think on these things, you're committing adultery in your heart. So that's why you've got to be very strong and kick those thoughts out and don't let them be a part of your mind and be a part of your thinking. There's hatred and anger and envy and jealousy, these types of thoughts that come up. Do you know the difference between envy and jealousy? And the, the difference between envy and jealousy. Envy is the feeling of wanting what someone else has, like attributes or possessions. Jealousy is when you feel threatened, protective, or fear, fearful of losing what you have to someone else. That's the difference. And the Bible says don't have either of those thoughts in your heart. Any unclean thought, if you want a good list of them, look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 through 20. It, it it lists out the, the works of the flesh. They'll list them all out. Just read through them and say, Jesus, I don't want that one. Jesus, I don't want that one. Get that thought out of my mind. Because he says, if you continually practice these things, if you do these things, you won't inherit the kingdom of God. And that's another one of those strong statements that we've got to realize that this is serious stuff. And so don't harbor those thoughts. You are the manager of what you think. So manage your thoughts well. You know, some of you walked in here not even think you you're you're gonna walk out a manager. Man, I am a manager. Praise the Lord. That's so awesome. I'm a manager, man. You got a promotion? I did. I did. I just went to church and I got a promotion. I'm a manager now. <laughs> Praise God. All right. Number two, you are the manager of your attitudes, your words, and your actions. I kind of separated thoughts because it's so important by itself. But your attitudes, your words, your actions. So in that case, we say, Holy Spirit, come. And let the fruit of the Holy Spirit be intertwined with my attitudes, attitude of humility, attitude of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And let that be what my attitude is. And let the words that I speak, Lord, be acceptable in your sight. And if there's any word that's about to come out of my mouth that shouldn't, 
please stop me in the name of Jesus, Lord. Put a, a gate on my mouth and don't let anything out that shouldn't. You know, the Bible says if you can manage your spirit, if you can manage the words that you speak, it's the equivalent of a, a mayor of a city who is in charge of that much responsibility. If you can manage your spirit and manage your words, it is the equivalent of a government leader over, over, over a city. And so Galatians 5, again, Galatians 5, 22 through 26. I love how the, the I put New Living Translation, but actually the, the version that I'm going to quote to you right here, it really should say, and I, that's my mistake, it should say, the Living Bible, because they revamped the New Living Translation. But the Old Living Bible, I love how it put this. It says, when the Holy Spirit, I tell you what, let's all read this out loud together. When the Holy Spirit controls our lives, he will produce this kind of fruit in us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Amen. So, so that's what we want to be focusing on in our minds, have that go over and over in our minds. But more importantly, I think with this is we are surrendering to the Holy Spirit. When you surrender to the Holy Spirit and he takes control over your life, then this will be the automatic outflow of your life, fruit, fruit. And that fruit glorifies the Father. John 15, 8, Jesus said, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. So next time I see you walking down the street, I want to see you just walking with a bunch of fruit all over. You're walking with fruit. Man, look at that, Christian. Whoa, look at that. The other day, my, my daughter and I were, were driving along, and this precious person, I don't know what they're dealing with, but they had tons of stuffed animals stuck to their body and they were walking down the street with all of the stuffed animals and and Audrey looked at me and she said what's going on with that dad and I said well either this person is selling those hopefully or maybe they we just need to pray for them because something something may not be right and but th that's a picture of walking around with all of that fruit you know just walking around and man, look at that. Look at that believer. That's what I want to see in all of us, right? Fruit. Just, and it's not to bring, how, I mean, how can you bring glory to yourself walking around with fruit like that? It is to glorify your Father in heaven. Amen? Amen. We bring glory to him when we have this kind of fruit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit produced in our life. Lord God, help me manage my attitudes, my words my actions to glorify you. Now, some Christians will say, well, you know, pastor, I have relinquished the management of my life over to the Lord. And so really, uh, I am not the manager anymore. It's actually God who is managing. If I just wanted to give you that little pointer, pastor, and I want to say respectfully, you're wrong. Because he is the owner and you must take responsibility for your life. You must be responsible for your thoughts. You must be responsible for your actions and your words and the things that you do and say. 
And in that, the owner says, if you want help, if you want resource, I will help you. And every good owner of a company does that with his or her managers. If you're in a really good company and you're managing and you are doing everything that you can to manage that business well of the owner, if you get stuck and you've tried everything, if you need more resource and you're giving it all that you got, what do you do as a manager? You go to the owner and say, hey, we need this. If you want a successful company, right? If you want this, then I'm going to need this resource. I'm gonna, and the owner, if it's a good owner, will see that and go right on. You're faithful. Boom. Here you go. No question. Here you go. You got it. You got it. You got it. And that's how much greater is the, is the Lord God with us. We're giving it all that we've got. We're managing what this life that he's given to us. And we say, God, I need help. I need resource to share the gospel, share the good news. He says, no problem. I'm right there with you. Here, here, take it. God, I need help with my mouth. I'm trying to manage it, but it's not working. It's not working. You know, the Bible says no man can tame the tongue, but the Holy Spirit can. When we surrender to him, the owner comes in and says, I'll help you. I'll help you. I know you're giving it everything you've got. I'll help you. Right? Amen. Amen. Another way to look at it is responsibility equals responding to his ability in your life. Responding to his ability in your life is the responsibility. Amen. Amen. So Jesus says, without me, you can do nothing. God is the owner. We are the managers. The third one is you are the manager of your home life. You are the manager of your home life. Is your home a, a peaceful place? Is it a haven of rest and joy? Or is it chaos? Is your home clean and kept? Is it a place that you look forward to going to because you've made it real nice? It doesn't matter where you live. You're living somewhere. You could be living in a tent and have a really nice tent. You could be living in a mansion and have it chaos. And so the call of the Lord to us is manage your home. You're the manager of it. Is your home in disarray, unkept, filthy, contentious, bad movies that you're letting in? foul language, tearing each other down, anger, shouting, that, then guess whose responsibility it is to change the atmosphere of your home? You say, well, I'm just waiting for God to do it. No, he's waiting for you. He is waiting for you to take responsibility. He'll come in, you invite him into your house, and he'll clean things out. He's really good at that. Jesus, I led a bunch of demons into my house by the things I was watching, by the things I was saying, by the way I was tearing people down, my anger. I led a whole bunch of spirits that shouldn't be here, and now it's chaos and it's a mess. Jesus, would you please come in and help me clean out this house? And Jesus said, I've been waiting, son. I've been waiting, daughter. Come on, let's do this. And then the demons have a big freak out because you invited the big one in. And Jesus shows up at your door 
and he begins to clean house. And that's and then he fills it with his presence. And then you have a, a wonderful, nice place to stay and receive from the Lord. None of this is possible without first inviting Jesus Christ to come into your life. You got to start there. Jesus, come into my heart. Jesus, come into my life. Parents, you are the managers of what your children are watching. I want to ask you a question. Do you know what they are watching? Because it can slip by so quick and so fast. And just because it says YouTube Kids on it doesn't mean that it's holy. Doesn't mean that somebody out there is trying to influence your kid in the wrong way. You've got to know what they're watching. Don't let them alone with that. Keep it out in the open and say, hey, I'm interested in what you're interested in. I'm interested in your crafts and your hobbies and things that you build and put together. I want to see, see those things and be invested and be involved in their life. Because if you're not, then somebody else is going to be. And they're going to lead them away from the Lord. And then you're going to wonder what happened. But you've got to be a manager. Listen, while they're under your roof and they have a place to stay and they have a nice home to go to and meals being prepared for them, you are their manager and you're instructing them. That is so biblical. You are instructing them. You're teaching them in the way they should go. And when they're old, they will not depart from it. By the way, there are free filters that you can put on your Wi-Fi router that you can put on your phones, your tablets. You can have management skills over your son or daughter's phone and tablet if they're old enough that you let them do that. Take management of that. There's all kinds of controls that you can have, including how much time they're on it. You can even have controls over yourself, how much time you're on your device. But amen, amen. But we have, we have this filter that I'm going to put up right here, cleanbrowsing.org. We have that filter on our church router. We have it on our home router on all of our devices are locked down. And what happens is when you go to a site, it goes through the DNS first, it very lightning fast goes through their database, checks it. And if it's not malicious or pornography, anything like that, then it'll let you through. If, it, if, if, if not, it'll stop it before it even happens. So it's free too. If you go to their website, look at the tab at the top called free filters. And they'll even show you how to put it in your router. They'll put, show you how to put it on your devices. And then you have a filter and you don't have to worry about that part of it. doesn't mean you're not engaged in what your kids are watching. Uh, but at least you have that where they're not getting accessing some pretty heavy stuff that will damage them for life. And so you got to get on top of this. You can't just be passive with this stuff. You've got to be on top of it and have these filters for your family and know what's going on. You are the manager. Be aware of what your kids are taking in and stay on top of it. Okay, the fourth one is, by the way, if those filters, if you need help, they, they, their customer support is amazing. They will answer you back. And if, if that doesn't work, come to me and I'll help you set it up. I've set it up for all everything that we've, we've got. So. All right, number four, you, God is the owner, you are, we are the managers. 
You are the manager of the way that you are at work. Are you a good worker? Are you on time, faithful, dependable? Do you have a good attitude at work? You're a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you shining the light of Christ? Are you a good example of a, of a worker that they say, hey, look at this worker. This is an outstanding worker who knows the job. They give it everything they've got. They have a humble spirit. Like Joseph, God gave him favor because of the way his spirit was. Every person that was placed over him in management promoted him because they saw the excellent spirit that he had. Daniel was the same way. Excellent spirit. Managers who are watching you work will notice this. You think, well, they're not seeing. Oh, they see everything, especially the good managers. They see everything. And promotion comes to those who are dependable and honest, a man or woman of integrity. And not only that, but you shine the light of Christ. And when push comes to shove and the pressure's on and people ask you, tell me how you were so happy or joyful through all of that that we just went through. And you say, well, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. It really is. And they'll say, well, I want what you've got because you are genuine. You are a person of integrity. If you don't have that, but you're still claiming Jesus in the workplace, they're going to think you're crazy. They're going to think you're a You're proclaiming Jesus and your life is no different than mine. How am I ever going to come to you for for the answer? But if there's a difference and your your light is shining and you're a great example and you're doing your best, then because you're the manager of how you are at work, then they're going to say, whatever you got, I want it. And they will come to Christ. I've seen it over and over again. All right. So you're the manager of how you are at work. And then number five, here's the last one. You are the manager of your finances. Oh, no. Oh, pastor, did you have to go there? You're the manager of your finances. Well, we kind of just fully read it in the parable that we read from from Jesus, even though I believe he's talking about more than money. He's talking about what you've been given in life. But are you in debt? If you are in debt, I was, my family was, and we took the steps necessary to get out of debt. First thing we did was pray against the mountain of debt, pray against that mountain. You know, Jesus said, pray for the mountain to move. And I believe that was the basis of, of moving that debt. And then this, the second thing is we sought out good teaching and good counsel. And that's why we went to, found Dave Ramsey, I think more, probably before he was ever known. He was kind of known, but we sought, sought it out, found him and brought it to our church and did, uh, has done, have done many classes. We went out of debt. We cut up all of our credit cards, went out of debt ourselves and how liberating it is to not owe anybody anything, how wonderful it is. And now the interest is not piling up against you. The interest is piling up for you because it's in savings and and yielding interest. Jesus said at least do that, right? So, so the other one is are you returning the tithe to God, giving him your first and your best? Are you saving for the future? Are you putting money away in in savings? And by the way, part of this too that I had to relinquish was 
I thought I knew how to handle money. I thought I knew how to manage money. And part of the process of me getting out of debt was unlearning everything that I thought I knew and saying, God, I don't know what I'm doing. And uh, this person who is a believer, who has searched the scriptures about money, who is also in debt and didn't know what he was doing, sought you out, found the scriptures, and got himself out of debt. Now he's teaching others. Now I want him to teach me. And so I have to let it all go. Every pride that I of thinking that I knew what I was doing, I had to let it go and learn something new. And you do the baby steps. You say at first, you save $1,000. You say, well, that's impossible. No, with God, the owner, all things are possible. Amen? Amen. I thought it was impossible, but we did it. We still do it. And then you start second baby step. You use the second one. You start paying off your debts, debt snowball. You start from the little ones and then you, you get the snowball going. Speaking of snow, you get the snowball going and you get, and then it builds and you get more and more out of debt. And we did. And by the time we were done and God helps you with that, you did make that decision to manage your money the way God has told us to and given us wisdom for, he will help you. The owner will come in. And he will help resource you and bless you in what he is blessing in the word. And so, praise God. It's a wonderful life to a journey to be on. And God will bless you with resources. Listen to this uh, real quick story about this whole thing. A father and a small son were traveling on a freeway. The boy says, he's, I'm hungry. And I would love to stop for a snack. They see the golden arches ahead and they pull off the road. Uh, the boy sits at one of the tables in the restaurant and the father returns with a big bag full of steamy, fre fresh French fries. The boy's face brightens with delight. He's hungry. The father sets the fries down before the boy and takes his seat opposite of him. He loves his son and loves to watch him eat so heartily. The two sit at the table together while the, the boy munches away at the snack. Then the dad does what all dads would do. He reaches over and takes one French fry for himself. The little boy snaps at his father, Dad, these are mine. Why don't you go get your own? I think we've all done that. We've all been guilty of that. These are mine, Dad. These are mine, Mom. You know. The dad thinks about this incident on the long, silent drive home. I gave my son every fry he had, and all I wanted was one. My son doesn't understand something. He doesn't know that I could take all those fries away in an instant. Or, if I felt it best for him, I could add to that bag of fries so abundantly that he'd be overwhelmed by them. He thinks that they are his. How did he forget who bought them and who brought them to him in the first place? God is the owner of everything. He owns it all. We are the stewards. We are the managers of what he has given to us. So in this week ahead, as you're, as you're going forward in your week, think about 
this concept that you are, it's in the word, you're a manager, he's the owner. Think about your thoughts. Think about, remember, reject the bad thought and accept the good ones. Keep the, the word moving through your mind and then take authority over the bad thoughts. The words that you speak, be mindful of every word that you're speaking. Speak faith, speak good words out of your mouth. You're the manager of your words. You're the manager of your attitudes. So call for the help of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come and take over my attitudes right now. I want to be peaceful. I want to be joyful. So I just take this moment and I pause right now and I receive your attitude working through me, the fruits of the Holy Spirit, my actions, Lord. I can now manage my actions, my home life. Father, I can manage my home life and take responsibility for it and my children, the way I am at work and my finances, all of these things. Remember this week, remember that God is the owner and you are the manager. And we, may we hear the words, would you all stand with me? May we hear the words of our heavenly father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Well done, my good and faithful servant. And we will celebrate with him. I gave you small amount of responsibilities and he says, I will give you more.